this episode of Full Nerd, Intel Rocket Lake kind of detailed. Welcome to a special edition of the Full Nerd Virtual CES Edition. With us today, Mark Hockman. Hey, everyone. And our very special guest, Brent Gutridge, a desktop specialist over at Intel. We are going to try to pry as much information as we can about Intel's upcoming 11th gen part. Been talked about on Monday, but we got Brant here, so maybe he can sneak us a little extra info that you want answered. Obviously, 11th gen, 14 nanometer, but a huge increase in IPC. Yes, sir. It's I think we're pretty excited about the product, right? I think as I talked to you guys earlier on in CES, um, two primary uh, focuses we had was you know, delivering the maximum amount of real-world performance. And the way we're choosing to do that with the Rocket Lake product line is IPC, as you mentioned, 19% on the internal testing. We'll be excited to see your guys' results on that as well. Um, but then also continue to kind of be the leadership on the frequency provider front. So really excited about getting this, this product out into the end user's hands. So the, the it's actually... Am I correct to say these are basically the basic cores that were used in the 11th gen uh, Tiger Lake mobile parts mapped I know over, or is that wrong? No, that actually, so yeah, slight, slight correction there. These were the actual cores used in the Ice Lake product line. Um, and then these were, you know, again, ported back over to the 14 nanometer nose. So we got the, the, the goodness of the IPC and the frequency um, that we're delivering, you know, on, on the 14 nanometer node. Hey, Brant. So one of our questions that we had on Monday actually was from a reader who wanted to know exactly what backported meant. And Gordon took a stab at it and so did I, but it's probably easier to hear it right from the horse's mouth. Yeah. So I think that the simplistic way I would explain it is there was the, again, let's go with the, with the CPU core. The CPU core, the Ice Lake product line was designed to work on the 10 nanometer fabs. That's obviously what the notebook team probably spoke to you guys about earlier in the year, I guess last year now. Um, we want to take the benefits of that new microarchitecture, port them back over to the 14 node where we were driving those leadership frequencies on desktop. So we kind of mix and match and get the best of both worlds. So we, we ported back the, the XE architecture on the graphics side that, that, again, you guys saw first on the notebook side. So that, that's on the 14 nanometer node, giving you that, that increase on the graphics. And then it's that isolate core. So again, that, that microarchitecture goodness or efficiency, if you will, um, port it back to 14 that we marry up the frequency that we're getting out of the 14 min- nanometer node. So does that make sense? I think so. And so you trim the core count as a result. And is that because of uh, a cost issue? Like you just had a certain amount of die space that you wanted to put in and anything going on that would, would push the cost up too high? Yeah, so it's not, it's not necessarily a cost issue. It's really more a geometry issue. So again, when we look at the the 10 nanometer as smaller transistors, right? And it was designed to, to, to the first design to be on 10 nanometer in terms of the ice like product line, like I mentioned. When we port that back to 14, you have bigger transistors. So you physically can't fit as many cores on the die, if that makes sense. Sure. And then you basically... Um, that 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 IPC adjustment, the IPC boost, was partially a result of Superfin. Is that right, or how does that? How does, what, are, what is the IPC uh, improvement that you talked about earlier? The IPC is really based on the microarchitecture, right? It's so just it, microarchitecture. it's the design. You know, I call it the design efficiency, but it's the it's the isolate core design. Um, so that's where you're getting the 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 efficiency on the instruction sets, if you will. And again, that's ported back to fourteen. Um, so. So I guess people will wonder, well, why not use your newest, you know, uh, cores from Tiger Lake? 
instead of using Ice Lake? Yes, I think the, the, the answer on that one is that we were really prioritizing the 10 nanometer node over to the notebook side of the house. Um, so again, when we were looking at desktop, the, the opportunity we had was to take that IPC that we, we spoke about, combine it with that frequency that we'd been driving on Common Lake and kind of deliver the best of both worlds. And then certainly the notebook lines um, that you guys have been spending some time with the other folks at Intel about, um, you're getting all that, that goodness, uh, you know, in terms of power efficiency, battery life, et cetera. So with Lake, of course, one of the, problems it had is it really didn't hit super high clocks. Why is it going from uh, 10 nanometer ice lake, which was a good part in its day to 14 nanometer. Why are you now able to, I think you were showing it exceeding five gigahertz or something. Yeah, so we're, at, we're on on the Rocket Lake product line. We'll be hitting 5.3 gigahertz. That'll be on dual core turbo. Um, so again, pretty phenomenal level of performance. Something that I think a lot of the gamers, you know, appreciate that. Certainly the overclockers. We'll see what else they can do in addition to that. Um, uh, but again, I, I'm not I'm not necessarily the mobile expert, and, I, and so I don't have all the details of what kind of the the mobile team has kind of talked with you guys about around the Ice Lake product line. But when we looked at the design choices we had, we felt like this was the best opportunity to kind of mix and match the different IPs. Um, to deliver the biggest bang to the end user. It sounds like you'd, uh, overclocking is one of the things that you're sort of uh, holding off for right now. But can you talk a little bit about uh, cooling at all or just uh, to give us any sort of sense as to what the overhead might be as far as uh, what we can look forward to? Uh, so I think so some of the, the cooling specs is going to be one of the ones that we want to leave a little bit closer to launch. Uh, I think we'll, I'll, I'll tease it a little bit. Uh, we do have, you know, I'd say very in-depth uh, you know, innovation programs with some of the, the leading cooling uh, vendors on the planet. Um, I think some of that you may have seen as, as some of the, the, uh, the, I'll call it the science experiments over the last couple of years. But I think we're pretty excited about having a continuation of more exotic cooling. And then how do we kind of take advantage of that capability in conjunction with some of the overclocking and, and customization and tunability tools that we have. So more to come there. Um, but I, you know, I think we're pretty excited about the level of enthusiast performance that folks are going to be able to play with. Okay. Do you, you know, I'm very sensitive because I get yelled at all day by the internet. I'm a little sensitive to like when people say like they hear 14 nanometer and you think, wow, 14 nanometer. That's just that, 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 that player should have his Jersey put up on the rafters and it's over for the season. But I kind of, it's interesting here that you're able to take again, ice lake cores, put them in a 14 nanometer. And now it looks like get a, a 19% IPC increase is very decent yet. And then you combine that high frequencies. It's almost like, best of both worlds in a way, even though it feels like people are going to say, oh, it's, it's old stuff. Yeah. I mean, again, I think, I think you actually said very well, again, our focus on was IPC and frequency. We thought the, the best way to deliver that in this time frame was those, those new IPs that were developed for the notebook side and the 10 nanometer line ported back to, to, to 14. And we combined that with that mature manufacturing node to deliver maximum capability and frequency. So you spot on, that's exactly what our, we had in mind when we, we thought about this product and brought it to market. Uh, and again, I think it'll be a leadership project. We're excited to see the benchmarking you guys are able to do and, and report back out on. But uh, I think this will be an awesome, you know, gaming part, awesome you know, creativity part and productivity part. So pretty excited. So, you know, I think that thing, of course, when people see like, wow, this is brand new 11th gen Rocket Lake, all that goodness. Why compare it to a 5900X if I have that right? I think it was against a 5900X because technically the 5950X is a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Why pick a 5900X instead of 5950X? 
we're trying to look at what's commonly used out in the industry. And again, you guys will obviously run it through your own uh, pace work. We felt that that was a, an accurate and a fair compare that kind of showcases the capability of what, what we're delivering. Um, but again, we'll be excited to kind of see what you, how you guys want to stack that up and, and communicate out on it. I, I was giving you a chance here to burn somebody by saying, we can't buy them. We can't buy them. We can get our parts all day. I get you right now. But, uh, you know, we could buy one. Sure. And we don't want to pay overpay for it because we're the, sorry, just kidding there. But I, 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 I see. I mean, that's, it's probably, and of course people are real, they really want to know like, well, how much is this going to cost? Right. Cause it's. And you're not going to say we're not even close to that, but I'm kind of wondering if the the chosen competitor is sort of indication of what the price range is. No, I'll say again, the pricing details will be come closer to launch. Um, I anyway, I won't, I won't predict, and I won't I won't tease that one because uh, we'll let you guys kind of see that as we get ready to launch. But uh, um, it'll be in line with what you typically see from Intel. How about that? I see that was another good chance to burn them. Say, well, it'll probably be at the cost, not marked up because you can't get it. Right. I'll let you guys do that part. Well, yeah, we, we have fun here sometimes. So one of the questions I had actually, and this is kind of in the performance uh, ballpark as well. So one of the features that you talked about was the fact that it's got uh, quick sync video and it allows you to run both the integrated GPU as well as the discrete GPU concurrently, which allows you to both be powered on. Uh, with the idea, I believe, that uh, you can dedicate all of your uh, discrete GPU to uh, rendering a game, and then the integrated GPU can be used to transcode it or stream it or whatever it might be. Can you give me a sense for, you know, okay, before this, when we had, you know, one GPU handling double duty, uh, what sort of performance hit that would take as far as streaming was concerned? And in other words, what sort of performance benefit you'll see now from using those both gpus uh, concurrently so I don't, I don't have the performance data that i can share today the thing i would say is the the way you characterize the the value prop was spot on and i again i think to me what's kind of cool about this is the first time in the desktop industry that we're able to use two pieces of technology that end users are paying for concurrently right so historically even if people didn't know it they had that on their system it wasn't doing anything right. so now at the very least there's the opportunity and again we, we believe and we'll, we'll back it up with data to be closer to launch um, that you go prioritize the workloads and the graphics you're going to get a higher fps more immersive gaming experience and then again you have this opportunity to offload um i'll call it a background task right if you will but you can you can put these things like your site your core task over on this on this other piece of technology that you've already paid for so it feels like it's a win-win for everybody on this front Seems like this is sort of an entry point to something in the future where you've got, okay, you've got an Intel discrete process, sorry, an Intel discrete GPU, you've got an integrated GPU, the two are going to work hand in hand more closely on certain tasks. Is that uh, sort of the indication, the sort of the direction you're heading here, or is that, uh, am I wrong? No, I think, well, I'll say this way, as you think about platformation or, or the ability to kind of mix and match different elements on the platform and have those things be additive or synergistic, that's certainly a, a desire we have as a plat overall platform company to, to kind of explore. Um, I, I can't talk specifically about, you know, you know Intel long-term graphics strategy. I think that's another, that's probably a, you know, a different spokesperson for you guys on that front. But um, whether it's graphics, it's, it's storage, or you know, any other subsystem things, the ability to kind of use that as an overall platform level control. And again, the, the concept here is we give end users more flexibility, more customization, more performance. Um, those are all very interesting and exciting things for us to, uh, to, to, to ponder and bring to market. All right. I have a QuickSync question, and that is, you know, I, I know QuickSync performance in uh, Ice Lake actually was improvement over uh, UHD, HD graphics, but that also sort of 
we went from 14 to 10. Are, can you give us a sense of what QuickSync performance will be like on 14 nanometer versus 10, 10 nanometer? Will it make any difference or? Yeah, so I, I, the way I'll answer the question um, is going to be is if we think about the, the graphics or the, 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 the video capability that we brought on to Rocket Lake, it's, it's a combination of two, of two fronts. Um, one is the XE architecture. Again, this is the first desktop product line that's going to use the XE architecture, which is a more powerful ar architecture than the previous generation. So yes, up to question number one. The other piece is we increase the number of EUs. And I'll, I'll give you guys a little bit more specifics as we get closer to launch. That's one of the specs we want to kind of hold back on. Mm. But it's about a third, right? So if you want to try to do the math in the background, feel free. But it's about a third more EUs, uh, a more capable you know, graphics engine, if you will. And those two things together is what's delivering that 50% improvement on the, on the graphics capability. Hmm. Okay, so a third more use, but 50% better performance in graphics? Together, together. So the, 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 the new XE architecture plus the third, or the, the, the one-third increase in the use together deliver about a 50% improvement in integrated graphics. Okay. Over UHD, I'm guessing. Yeah, over, over, yeah, so I'll say over Comet Lake. UHD okay. is the brand level. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, and, and then as far as DL Boost, I, it's kind of weird because when I, I think ISIC, I don't think... I don't think Iris XE. I think, you know, Iris Plus, I think is what it was called. So you sort of have the newer Iris XE cores with uh, Cypress Cove, which is Ice Lake. How does that affect sort of all the underpinnings of DL Boost? Because some parts were on the XE side, some were within the cores in Tiger Lake. And where does uh, any sense of what, what it's yeah, going to so be like? So you're getting the, you're getting a deep, uh, learning boost instructions that are the technology, right? So that, that, that just comes, you know, standard, if you will, in terms of the product line. And again, obviously you guys, I think you guys understand what that's for. That's to go off and accelerate AI workloads, like inferencing. Um, there's a host of ISVs that are going to take advantage of it in different ways. That'll be one of the things that we want to showcase a little bit as we get closer to launch. But I think you guys can do some investigation line to see how those things, how those types of instruction sets are being utilized in the mobile process and assume that kind of applies back to desktop. Yeah, I am wondering because I will say that is I don't know if you've seen any of our coverage of um, of uh, mobile side on Tiger Lake, but the AI performances is, is when you use those instructions are of course as expected off off the hook and definitely have a better messaging for Intel Intel CPUs than anybody else, including Apple, right? So it's it, it's no joke. I'm just trying to figure out whether performance will be sort of a mishmash of the all different chips or whether it's going to be. Uh, awesome sauce like it was on Tiger Lake. I think we have awesome sauce that we have the new instruction set for the capability. And then we'll, again, we'll hold back on the performance uh, claims or quotes from us until we get closer to launch. That's but, awesome. but yes, we're excited about having the, the instruction set capability out there in the marketplace. I think not only in the, you know, call it the creative side, but also in the commercial side, it's, it's certainly a growing workload and a lot of folks are, are wanting and demanding that on their Silicon. So again, exciting to be able to deliver that. Are there going to be uh, KF parts on this? I mean, just jumping back to the graphics for a second. Uh, the... Yeah, so we'll have the F-Series parts. And again, for the, for, I assume the most of the audience knows those are parts that come without uh, integrated graphics. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll maintain that. I think the, the strategy we had with Comelec ended up being a pretty good strategy uh, for the marketplace. Um, we kind of have those at the brand levels. That, you know, so, so the entry i5, the entry i7, the entry i9, and both unlocked and, and locked flavors. Um, so I think we got pretty good market reception on that, and we'll look to continue that. Okay. And for, so this is PCIe 4 um, on this chip. Yes. And, and 20 lanes. Yes. 
so four for so obviously sixteen for GPU. Then you can hang four yep. for your uh, PCIe SSD that everybody's going to run M.2. Can we get into the DMI lanes? Because that's a little yeah. a little confusing for us. I, I don't know if you can get into the details yeah, yet on that. On the perform on the performance side, and I'll hold I'll kind of hold the performance concept back. But in terms of just at a high level high level tease, if you will. Um, so if you look at the pr- the prior gen, the four hundred series boards and Comalike, that was a by four um, DMI interface between the CPU and the and the PC and the PCH or the chipset, if you will. Um, and we're going to a, a by eight. So you know, loosely, I mean, doubling the bandwidth uh, in terms of how that manifests in system performance. That'll be some of the stuff that we want to do with you guys in the press kits and some of the mm-hmm. testing. So. Um, but yes, uh, the intention is to improve overall system performance and anything you hang off that PCH, um, you're getting more bandwidth back to the CPU. But we still expect uh, those 20 lanes that are coming off the CPU to be the, you know, the best of both worlds or the best of all worlds, if you will. Yeah, I, I just <clears throat> just kind of want to push you on jet now just for a second, because I think we can maybe talk conceptually a little bit about that without necessarily getting into the performance, because you know, your, your chipsets, uh, you obviously have, you know, certain specifications attached to them. You've got, uh, um, you know, USB, you've got, uh, in fact, you've, uh, <clears throat> I always forget what the stupid designations called on this thing, but USB 3.2 gen yep. two by two on rocket like S, um, you know, you've got some of these things that are just basically specified already in terms of bandwidth. So, um, DMI, I would think, would either allow you to expand those capabilities, adding more USB ports and things like that. But um, I'm not entirely certain what we're going to see beyond that particular aspect. Does that make any sense? That question, I mean? Yeah, it does. I, I, again, I'm going to go back to the unsatisfying answer. I want to hold some of this back. And we have some things <laughs> under the motherboard, folks. Um, so but you um, haven't increased the link speed. It's just basically widen the lanes. Is that right? Widen the lanes. Okay. Hmm. Okay. But I guess once you throw in 10 gig, 10 gig Ethernet, you throw in your 20 gig USB, and I guess there's Thunderbolt 4 right. in some of the chipsets. Uh, it's, it seems like that, that bandwidth would be usable, but it's almost, it's funny because you, since you've now moved on to um, a dedicated uh, by four uh, Gen 4 laying on the CPU, now you almost have like nothing for the PCH to do almost. Right. I, want to, well, I think the motherboard guys wind up being pretty creative on how they want to position and market a lot of that stuff. You know, that does, that does really make me think because it's, it's funny because, you know, people sort of say, oh, PCIe 4.0, um, 16 lanes, but, you know, for the most part, graphics cards really don't need Gen 4, the bandwidth. I mean, that's an insane amount. Could board vendors then say, you know what, we're just going to give you – way more, you know, by 16 Gen 3 lanes and split up that bandwidth, or is that... I I guess I probably can't comment on what anybody's going to do on their boards, but I would say that uh, I agree with your your overall sentiment that it's not a ton more performance um, when you look at a typical game or a typical application. I mean, some of the the internal testing that we had done was anywhere from, let's just say, 1% to 5%, and that that your mileage may vary depending on system setup and and application. But but for those that are trying to push the limit, then, yeah, of course, you know, it'll be nice, right? There'll be something there. For the average person, will they notice it? That depends on what they're doing. Um, but again, I think a lot of the stuff ends up being tailored towards the enthusiast community and the gaming community who want to just have that maximum capability, you know, regardless. And with the 400 series boards, I mean, this is going to be something that's, yeah, it's not quite clear how the DMI works with those. So I think we got this question in the, in the, 
in the in the press review uh, as we well. Yeah, it, it made me think about the so Comet Lake works in the new 500 series boards, but it would only be by at the the by four, right? It would be the what it supports, if if that makes sense. And then Rocket Lake works. Obviously, you get the the best of both worlds when you're in you know the 500 series boards and the and the Rocket Lake CPU, right? You're getting yeah. all this coolness that we're talking about. Right. Uh, when you go backwards, though, right? It's it's the native support of that board at that point in time. Now, I think okay. some vendors will do some different things in terms of what we've enabled. Um, I'll let each of the motherboard vendors, you know, as they launch the products, talk about or even relaunch, you know, maybe some of the older versions, talk about what they did or didn't do to support Rocket Lake. Um, but we did enable the support for PCA Gen 4. Um, I think we talked a little bit about that before. So we'll, we'll see probably, I'll call it experimentation from the board community. Um, okay. But I still think that best of both worlds is going to be that 500 series PCH and, and the, obviously the Rocket Lake CPU. And so we've already been hearing from the board vendors uh, that we're talking about Z590, H570, B560, and H510 chipsets. Are those correct? Uh, I'll just say yes. I, let me just confirm that we didn't do anything goofy with the numbering system, but, but that sounds correct. Okay. Okay. And can we talk about any of the specifications for those yet? Or should we think about those as sort of analogous to what we had before in the 400 series or what? Yeah, I mean, it's a, in general, we're, try, we're, try, we're trying to be consistent gen to gen on the types of capabilities and support that we offer on those on those PCH brand levels. I'm going to hold back on, you know, again, getting into specific specifications for our, our commentary on how we want to try to save this up for launch. But uh, logically, very consistent with what you've seen us do in the past. So uh, Rocket Lake seems like a, a part singularly made to retake the gaming crown because i i you know obviously there's some argument about who was faster this last round it seems like this chip was made to like hey we want to be the very best chip for gamers is that a fair way to picture this cpu because you know you're basically high clocks you've got any improved ipc you're already showing off numbers where you're you know seven eight percent six percent faster than the competition yeah, Gordon, I would say, you know, enthusiasts in general, but, you know, certainly gamers is, is the primary target audience of this product. Those are the folks that typically want to demand the most other processors. So, again, I think if we talk about the microtexture efficiency on the IPC plus the frequency, um, that is very clearly what we're aiming at. And, again, I think we, we believe we have a leadership product here. We'll be excited to get it out in the marketplace, get your guys' take on it as you do the testing. But uh, the way you phrase it, I, I would agree that that is definitely one of the, the primary intents of this product. So, it's, I mean, obviously, gamers are – it's – are super important to Intel then. I mean, to, I mean, obviously it's for enthusiasts, but as we know, people pay attention to frame rates for games. So. Yeah. Frame rates for games, frequency, um, you know, frequency, fre again, you guys know this frequency tends to IPC, both IPC and frequency tend to be, I always like to think of it as a rising tide, right? That rising tide lifts all boats in this case, you know, whether it's games, different types of, you know, ISV applications that you might use both of those, um, tend to benefit to everything across the board, if you will. So uh, again, that was one of the targets we had. Uh, certainly, being the, the the top dog in terms of gaming capability and delivering that out to the users is extremely important to Intel. Um, we think we've done that here. Um, again, we'll be excited to get it out there. But uh, I think in general, uh, you know, let's let's see what comes here. Yeah. So high expectations when it ships, and we can expect to probably see this Q1. I think end of Q1. Yeah, so I think uh, even I think we even uh, confirmed on the on the content right to, uh, towards uh, March March is the, is the launch time frame, so in Q one. And oh, so go ahead, go ahead. Mark. No, I was just gonna, just a random comment. I mean, it's certainly interesting to see, um, you know, over the past decade or so, you know, it's been sort of 
performance has been sort of um, uh, under the thumb of one manufacturer. Now it seems like with each chip, things swing back and forth. One's the best processor than the other's best processor. I mean, I think speaking from a from our standpoint as both journalists and consumers, you know, it's this competition is great to see. So it's nice to see everybody, you know, you guys, you and AMD just, you know, swinging back and forth at one another and coming out with more competitive parts over successive generations. Yeah, I'll say I agree with you 100%. And I think uh, the competition back and forth will benefit end users. I think it's going to push us to have uh, probably both fronts, right, to have different types and more innovation that comes out. Um, the, the race to deliver more efficient microarchitectures to be the, the, the number one focus on frequency. Um, I think all that's going to be exciting. It feels like we've reentered this, uh, you know, very crazy and exciting time of neck and neck competition. Of course, you know, we're, we're, we're positioning ourselves to come out ahead and go off and deliver the maximum uh, level performance to the end users. But I think you're right. The competition is, is awesome for the, the community in general. Well, you know, I do wonder, I just, I want to close this off because I, I do think, you know, the, the immediate battle today will be in gaming laptops. It, it's interesting to me that, that Rocket Lake is playing the high, high frequency, high IPC game against the competition. Uh, as and you're sort of almost doing the same thing in mobile too, where we have this new Tiger Lake H35 part, which is a really tuned up Tiger Lake quad core part, fewer cores, but really really high clocks and really fantastic IPC. I, I does it, it's interesting that both of these are mirroring on desktop and on laptop. Is that intentional or just simply that's just your, the cards you're dealt? No, no, I think that that's a definite intentional strategy. I think we look at our, our mobile brethren, right? Uh, you know, one of the things they like to talk about is delivering desktop class performance, you know, inside of a laptop. I think this just puts that on steroids. So, you know, the primary point is, I think, Frederick, probably who you guys maybe talked to before, but the primary point on this one is to get in those, you know, thinner and thinner, more sexy designs. Um, people who still want a game and have a decent experience, but be able to do that in a, in a much more portable laptop. Um, that's obviously a target market. That's obviously special edition. And like you said, right, it's a, it's an optimized four core part to kind of push the, the envelope on frequency there. Um, again, those typically benefit gaming. We've got the, the main line above the eight series coming a little bit later. Uh, you know, in the year, and but but expect more of the same, right? We want to continue to deliver desktop class performance inside of a, a, a notebook form factor. Brant, I mean, I know that um, <clears throat> you represent the desktop side of the house, but, you know, within Intel, you guys are probably, you know, as much as AMD, certainly positioned to sort of see where demand is coming from. So I'm curious, um, you know, we we uh, look at the desktop as sort of the one of the premier areas for, for gaming, but obviously with the H35 and other, you know, laptops as well, we're seeing more demand from the laptop on the notebook side of things as, as far as gaming is concerned. Can you give me a sense for just within communicating, just sort of the conversations you guys are having from Intel, which way the pendulum is swinging because it seems like you know again with the h35 you're reacting to a market demand for ultra portable and gaming so i'm getting i'm trying to get a sense for you know where still the pull is coming from is it still as much from the desktop as before or is it now people are uh laptop manufacturer or sorry the laptop uh, audience is saying hey look we want this to be our primary gaming platform so I'll say this without again without getting into you know business fundamentals or outlooks on 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 economic forecasts etc. I, I would say we're seeing you know relatively strong demand on on both sides of the market right both on the notebook form factor 
probably for a lot of the reasons that you can guess and articulated. Um, but you still see a lot of folks, you know, wanting to play on desktop. I'm, I'm, I'll say I'm a quasi gamer. I, I, I like my desktop setup. I know I talked to a lot of my friends who like desktop setup. So um, both are great. It depends on how you want to use the, the device and the system. Um, but I, I would say we're seeing equally, you know, continued interest in both form factors. And, and I would say actually both are growing. And again, I won't get into the financial outlook of, you know, what are the, the year on your growth and those types of things. But uh, I would say it's relatively you know, stable, healthy demand across the board. And if you had to look, say, three years down the road, would things look the same? Or do you think there's, again, sort of pendulum going to swing in one direction? Yeah, I think from an Intel perspective, as, as we think about the gaming market in general, we still see, you know, again, both segments being, you know, relevant um, long-term forecast for, for, for both of the segments, you guys can look at IDC or maybe I'll actually just use the IDC numbers, right? You're still seeing uh, mid single digits for desktop and, and double digits for, for notebook, right? So I don't see any reason to, to outguess the, the third-party analyst out there. Um, certainly the, you know, Gordon, you asked it a little bit ago, you know, our, our primary or one of our primary focuses for the desktop product line is to deliver leadership in gaming, um, that that's going to continue to be a tenant of what we do when we bring out desktop processors. And again, on the H series, that'll be a similar goal for the mobile side of the house, but uh, both will have their place. Um, and we're happy to fulfill end user demand wherever they want to be, but we want to deliver them that most capable system on no matter what they choose. Obviously a desktop gives you a little bit more customization and flexibility. If you want to get into to overclocking or you want to, you know, comp- change out your components, whatever those might be, that that's more uh, akin to something you'd want to do on a desktop system. And we still see a, a large uh, user base there um, for folks that want to just pick something up at, you know, Best Buy or whatever and take it home and game, um, you know, laptops awesome for that. So it really depends on the end user, but both are probably here to stay for the foreseeable future. I, you know, I do have one question. The internet would be angry at me if I didn't ask, because there's always somebody who's going to ask this question. And that is, does 11th Lake or will 11th Lake use a uh, soldered Tim or will it use, go back to a uh, synthetic uh, material? Uh, sorry, 11th uh, Lake? Oh, well, oh, Rock, well, sorry. Rocket well, Rocket Lake 11th, yeah, <laughs> it really is the end of the day. Will Rocket Lake use an STIM as it is uh, often sort of abbreviated these days? Because that is very important to an important subreddit that will then uh, dissect it for months. So, yes, I'll say, well, we're continuing with our STIM lineup and, and the die thing that we introduced last time, you'll see those uh, featured here as well. Uh, and again, I think we'll have a few more surprises on the overclocking front that uh, that that will be interesting for the, the community. Okay, cool. Well, uh, thanks for uh, joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. I loved it. Thanks, guys. Great, thank you.